Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host tonight. Sit back and get ready. We got a hot show for you. On behalf of the Keys 107 Network, we extend our condolences to the Noel family. John Noel passed away on June 6th. He spent some time with the Keys 107 Network sharing his story. In our conversations about doing the interview with the Keys 107, he told me of his amazing story of his journey from his days at Vietnam to getting his job at NBC in Missouri, to coming to New York, and to um, becoming a father. And I was so inspired by his story, and I've been inspired by his life ever since I've known John Noel. I've admired him for many reasons, and um, he was a steady, strong friend. John Noel, I thank you for your unconditional friendship over the years. And I say be well, my friend. This show today is a special tribute. I hope his words will inspire you and uplift you. And know that John Noel did not pity himself. He laughed to the last day. Words could never express how much you're going to be missed. You're listening to a Keys 107 Network special with your host, Sister Rafika, and just remember, if your blog talk radio is not on the Keys 107 network, well, your blog talk radio just ain't on. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to another day in the life of the Keys 107, opening doors to endless possibilities, exploring avenues of love, peace, and happiness. As we get ready for tonight's show, I want to remind you that all the shows are archived for your listening pleasure, and you can download the Block Talk Radio app on your smart device and take us with you anywhere and listen to us anytime. 
And this show is brought to you by our feature sponsor, The Fluff Present the Alphabet, now live at www.thefluffffamily.com. And today we highlight the education, information, and entertainment keys in pursuit of opening the doors to endless possibilities with NBC news journalist and reporter John Newell and cartoonist, illustrator, and writer Jerry Kraft. We begin with John Newell, and before we bring him in, I want to give out the call-in number at 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit the number one key if you want to talk, and you'll have some time to uh, speak to John Newell as he comes in and enlightens us with his journey. And today's topic focuses on the pursuit of happiness as we, as we delve into the lives of two very successful men who has a refreshing twist on what you do when life presents challenges and how to stay motivated and how to keep it moving. Our first guest is Emmy Award-winning journalist with NBC News, New York, John Noel. He's certainly no stranger to our living rooms as he brings the news to us live from NBC every night. Today we're going to get in to get a snapshot look into his life, including fatherhood, maintaining balance in life, his upcoming book, and dealing with cancer one day at a time. Then around 7, we're going to talk to award-winning cartoonist and illustrator Jerry Kraft, who will talk about his comic strip series, Mama's Boys, and new books soon to be released, and his journey that began in the advertising industry and an eight-year career with Sports Illustrated for Kids. So first, let's bring in John Noel. John Noel, are you live? Good evening. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> As a matter of fact, um, I'm on the Belt Parkway right now. We're returning from Long Island, finishing up a story that aired on WNBC. Um, uh, my uh, cameraman is going to drop me off in downtown Brooklyn where I'll pick up my car. Now... You know you can't go in the subway, so I hope you're going to pick up your car above ground. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, I can go in the subway. What do you mean I can't go in the subway? <laughs> because your phone will lose connection. Oh, well, that's true. Yes, no, yes, yes. No, and we have, we, <laughs> we still have a while yet before we um, we uh, will reach downtown. We're um, still quite a ways out. We were out on uh, in uh, Wontaw, Long Island. Mm. Well, you're on the Bell Parkway, and rush yes, hour traffic is always jammed. The, yes, we're now coming up to the exit for the uh, North Conduit. Okay, good, good. So we got some time. Yes. Well, I want to get right into it, roll our sleeves up and put our boots to the street and just talk some shop here. Now, okay. When did you decide that you wanted to be a journalist? How did it all start? And how did you end up at NBC? Okay, whoa. Um, my actual, my first foray into broadcasting took place in four. It was during the Vietnam War. I was in the Air Force, and I was stationed at Nakam Phanam Royal Thai Air Force Base in Thailand. And while there... Um, I became a disc jockey for Armed Forces Radio. Um, I spent a year in Thailand. Uh, after leaving there, came back to the United States, stationed at McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey, uh, honorably discharged in 1976, returned to New York 
to begin um, college at Brooklyn College, and it was at that point that I decided I wanted to stay in broadcasting, but I wanted to do broadcast journalism. Um, and it was there that I started um, moving in that direction. Uh, four years in Brooklyn College. Uh, during that time, I did an internship at um, WABC Eyewitness News. I was an assignment desk assistant. Um, but I had already applied to and had been accepted to graduate school at the University of Missouri School of Journalism. And so um, I went there, and after um, uh, receiving my master's degree there, uh, my first job was in St. Louis, Missouri, for the NBC station there. Uh, I started in July of 19... 83, and in October of the same year, I, they sent me to Grenada to cover the U.S. invasion. Oh, um, Maurice Bishop. Yes, he was murdered during a coup, and um, uh, the U.S., the governor general with whom I spoke while on the island had asked the U.S. to come in. And um, uh, and as a matter of fact, the day of the U.S. invasion is now celebrated as a holiday on the island of Grenada. Um, I spent 10 years at the NBC station in St. Louis, uh, then got a call from the news director at the CBS station in Detroit, uh, left for Detroit, Spent five years there, and um, then got a call from uh, WNBC in New York. And I've been here since, and for me, is back in New York, because I am from New York. I'm from Brooklyn, grew up in Crown Heights. And um, I've been here back in, in New York doing what I do for the past 14 years. Now, you said when you was in Vietnam... You was on the radio. Uh, I was radio. in Thailand. It was in Thailand. You did right. radio during the uh, Vietnam program. Right. You was in Thailand during the Vietnam War. Right. Let me be clear now. Make sure I get it straight. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be bad journalism if I didn't, right? <laughs> right, right. So you said um, you started at the radio station there. So yeah. on your way there, or be prior to going into the military, was broadcasting of an interest to you? Well, it was, um, I mean, not, not a, a, actually, before going into the military, I had few, if any, serious interests. Um, so, Well, we're losing you, John. Your phone is going out a bit. It's going out. Um, I don't know what we just came off the um, exit. Um, how can you, Are you hearing me now? Um, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I had, prior to going into the military, uh, I had a few serious interests. Um, you know, I, I mentioned graduating from college and graduate school. Uh, all that came after I had dropped out of high school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had to make a um, change in life. So, you know, prior to my time in the service, there was very little about which I gave much serious thought. Now, your your journey into the military led you to the, the radio. I'm going to put that aside for a second and just talk about you gave a nice seamless um, sort of snapshot view of how you got to um, NBC. But I just want to talk about some of the challenges that you faced when you came out of the military or while you was in the military, some of the activities that you were involved with when you when you shared it with me um, at, a, at an earlier time. I was totally, certainly raised my eyebrow and said, wow, well, how did you... How did you find the fortitude within yourself to pull through all of that? And I don't know how much of it you want to share with the public, but I'm going to open the door, turn the key, <laughs> and open the door, walk through it, and maybe you'll meet me on the other side. All right. Well, I was a um, teenager in New York during the 1960s, um, and... Uh, as many um, young men of, of my time uh, wanting to be cool, as we called it back then, um, you did things and hung out places that as you look back now, you, you say to yourself, you know, well, I, I, I say to myself, I was a knucklehead. Um, and, um, and, Again, it was the 60s, and drug use was rampant, um, and and that for me continued even into the service. But when I decided that that had to come to an end, it was at that point that um, my life changed. Um, when I decided that who I used to be is, is no longer who I was, I was going to be. Um, you know, basically, you know, my my life started from that point. I actually had in my mind visualized a quest, um, and it was to, um, I mean, basically, to be to develop into a person of honor, uh, a keen mind, firm principles but also a strong arm. And um, in in seeking that, it's like everything else fell into place. I think that is the perfect segue into my next, um, my next chapter that I want to talk about with your life, and that would be your discipline and commitment to martial arts. Well, that... That was was part of that quest. Um, keen mind. So when I got out of the service, went to Brooklyn College, I took courses uh, that I needed, obviously, in order to fulfill the requirements of the curriculum. But I also took courses that I felt gave me knowledge, information that I needed to become the person. I knew I was going to become. Um, I mean, I, I took classes um, in ethics 
because if I was if if I was going to be a person with firm principles, I had to know how to formulate the the principles by which I would live. You know, so I took classes in ethics. I minored in mathematics. I knew for a fact I was not going to do anything with that as as far as, you know, you know, professionally um and probably don't remember half of the formulas I learned, but for me, math was mental calisthenics, logical thinking, clear linear thinking, and I felt that if I went in that direction, it would fundamentally help me to become the um person I, I I wanted to be. So you know, and then to to you know, it's it's good to be you know, I said keen mind, firm principles, but there are times when you need to defend your principles. There are times when you might be called upon to defend loved ones and for me, that meant having a strong arm, and um, that's how I discovered um, Kyokushin Karate, and I've been doing that since the age of 27, and I'm 61 now. So the the Kyokushin Karate? Yes. Talk a little bit about how that helps you spiritually. We've talked about where it, where it, where it, where it should take you and where it takes you physically, but just spiritually and emotionally. Um, there is something called the dojo kun that we say at the end of class, um, and it it sort of addresses that um, we will train our hearts and bodies for a firm, unshaking spirit. Mm. That's the that's the that's the essence of it. Um, you know, we will pursue the true meaning of the martial way so that in time our senses may be alert. With true vigor, we shall seek to cultivate a spirit of self-denial. We'll observe the rules of courtesy, respect our superiors, and refrain from violence. You know, th- those things. Those are not just things that. Well, for me, at any rate, it's not just something that I recite. You know, um, those are ideas I take to heart. Um, and and the way I saw when I when I first went to the dojo when I was deciding what form of martial art I I wanted to study, when I saw the way they trained, how. The, the the way they went beyond what should be physical, um, which be what you should be able capable of doing physically, um, I said, well, this is this is where I want to be. I, I, you know, it is common. I mean, all cl- in every class there are hundreds of kicks, punches, blocks, push-ups on your knuckles. Um, I mean, we even ran barefoot in the snow in our geese. Hmm. Um, at the end of the year, we have what's called the thousand punch, thousand kick class, hmm. and that's a normal class with the addition of 
a thousand punches, stretch followed by one thousand kicks. And that is imagine taking your leg and hitting your thigh to your chest, alternating legs one thousand times. Oh my goodness. And there's you know, no break while you're doing this? There is no break. There's, you know, we, you know, class is two hours. There is no break. You know, and 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 again, so that, you know, it the the idea that you can do more than you think you can do is reinforced on a regular basis, so that you give yourself no excuses. Hmm. Well, you know, and it's not a matter of, and it's not a matter of doing it to prove anything to anybody else. It's a matter of doing it so that you prove something to yourself, so that you know who you are, and push yourself, and push yourself. Endless possibilities. You know, and that you know, and 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 that's not to say. I mean, there are physical and emotional and mental limits. You know, I mean, you know, there are, those do exist that, um, you know, and and that has to be accepted. However, um, until your body stops moving, you have to keep going. Mm. Now, each year, does that increase? Excuse me? Does it increase each year, or each year is a thousand, a thousand kicks and a thousand, thousand punches? It's a thousand. That's that that that's the class. It's the thousand punch, thousand kick class. Now, is this something you look forward to? Uh yes, it is. Crazy as that might sound. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask. <laughs> yeah. No, it 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 is. Um, I have, I sometimes say, brainwashed myself into getting a thrill out of facing adversity. And it's the feeling that you get after you've done it. That is what I look forward to. The sense of accomplishment after you walk out of that class. I mean, when we ran through the street barefoot in the snow in our geese, I literally felt as if I could walk over to a truck and turn it over not that I attempted to do that, but there was, um, you know, there was something that coursed through me at that moment, um, a strength and an energy that, you know, I have had, that I have had to and have been able to reach back at times when needed. Well, and know that it was there. We're going to break for a commercial, and when we come back, we're going to go right into fatherhood, what it means to you to be a father. We'll be right back. The King on Blog Talk Radio. 
don't have the keys on your blog talk radio, then your blog talk radio isn't really on.
little girl. I mean, you know, because there are some crazy kids out there. You know? <laughs> they're, not, they're not all wonderful. You know, but fortunately, my daughter is a really wonderful child, and so it, it makes it really easy for me to be um, involved to the extent that I that I am involved. You know, I tell her it is my job to be your dad, but more importantly, it's my pleasure. You know, she tells me, Dad, you are way too protective. No. <laughs> but okay. But you know, but you know, I mean to. The the thrill to give you an example. We we were walking down the street one day, and I I think she she's nine now. She was maybe five at four or five at the time, and she said to me, she said, you know, Dad, um, sometimes on Saturdays and Sunday mornings, you know, I just want to, you know, snuggle up with you and watch cartoons, but you're always getting up to go to karate. You know, so I said, oh, sorry. I said, but um. What I'll do is I'll try to hit a couple of classes during the week so I can take off, you know, I can skip one of the one of the weekend classes and we can just hang out. Um, I said, but you you have to understand, you, your your dad is getting old. I have to train a lot harder than I used to. And she said, No, Dad, I understand. I know why you train. I said, You know why I train? And she said, Yes, Dad, I know why you train. And I said, well, Why do I train? And she imagine, she's like four or five years old, and she looks at me, and we're walking down the street, and she says to me, Dad, you train so you can protect me. See? Aw. <laughs> I mean, Children are know, so perceptive, huh? You know, I, I mean, th- that was the essence of it for me. You know, your child knows that what you do, you do for her. She knows in her soul that... She is the center of my world. You know, so, so it, it's, what is, it's a What does fatherhood mean to you? It's a thrill, but what does it mean? I mean, what does it mean being a dad? What does it mean? That, how how that, has it changed your life? Well, you said... And, and don't tell know, me because you have, you're, you have a child now. <laughs> That's the obvious. No, because there are things that, there, I, I mean, there are things that I do now... I gladly do now, and, and I should say uh, I'm a happily divorced single dad. Um, and and I uh, on Sunday nights, and this was this was even when we were all together, and it continues now. On Sunday nights, I wash, condition, comb out and braid my daughter's hair to begin the week. There you go. You know? See, that's what and, I'm talking about. And, and it, is, it, is, it is a pleasure. It is the time, is, you know, I mean, it's like time we, we get to spend together. Um, you know, so, you know, you know, I've had people say to me, particularly women have said to me, oh, you're such a great dad. And I've had to explain to them, that's like, that's like praising somebody for being at the party. You know, when you do when you're doing something you enjoy, you don't get any credit for that. You know, I mean, I, you know, we we've done it twice. We spent the night at the at the American Museum of Natural History. They have a program there for parents and kids. You know, and you bring your sleeping bag and they set up cots and you walk through exhibits with your flashlights in the middle of the night and you know. 
we 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 take vacations, just the two of us. She wants to go everywhere the Acela goes, the Amtrak Acela. You know, so we did D.C., the Smithsonian, for a week. Uh, last year, we went to the National Aquarium in Baltimore. Um, but any place there's a museum, she wants to go as long as the Acela can take you there. Uh-huh. Um, and and you know so we we do that, but but when we're together, we're we're together. You know it's like we we have our spots, we have our lunch spots, and people expect to see us. You know, um, I've seen every animated movie that's come out in the last five years. You know, I mean, you know, you know that that's. That's that's what I do. I mean, I I I'm a dad. I go to work. I work out. I train. You know, those are things that that I do gladly. Well, let's talk about before you became a dad. You had a very rigorous schedule. How how do you work that schedule around fatherhood? Um. Well, I mean, you get up earlier in the morning, you know, because, um, you know, I I take her to school, you know, in the morning, and as I'm going now, when I get when I get dropped off here downtown, I'm gonna go and get the car and go and pick her up from the nanny. We'll go home. We'll have dinner. Um, whatever homework hasn't been finished will be finished. And then it's time to get ready. You know, it's 8.30, you and your stuffed animals get in there, and it's time to go to bed. You you have to get 10 hours of sleep. You're getting up at 7. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's what it will be. You know, but it's like what, you, what I want to do has changed. So it's mm-hmm. not even, it, it, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if, Whatever you do for fun, you know, you would make time to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not a sacrifice because you enjoy whatever that is. So you adjust your schedule to do the things you like. For me, that's being a dad. Now, do you think that that, I don't want to say attitude, but that um, the, the place where you are with your daughter do you think you could have been there when you were in your twenties? Or do you? What I'm, what no, I'm trying to ask No, that's why. That's why I did not want to be a dad back then. Ah. You know, I did not want to be. You know, when she, she was fifty, I was fifty-two when she was born, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a dad. So it's like I, you know, it's like I want to be a broadcast journalist. I want to be a martial artist. So that's what you do. And and it's because I enjoy those things. You know, so when the time came that I wanted to be a dad, it was like, you know, that's what I that's what I did and that's what I do. You get no extra credit for it. <laughs> I agree that there is a difference between doing something because you want to do it and then doing something because you have to do it. There is oh, an yeah. obvious difference in that. Oh yeah, it, you know. So it's it's you know, and it's 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 just a it's just a good feeling, you know. So it's um 
you know, what, what was that? Chris Rock had a joke. He said, what do you want, a cookie? <laughs> I said, no, no, you get, you get no extra credit for doing what you're supposed to do, particularly if you enjoy it. Well, the credit comes, um, and it's not really the right word to use, but for conversation purposes, it comes with the joy you see in your child. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, that that's, that's the reward. And you listen to the things they say. Oh. And you're like, wow, where does this come from? Yeah. And it, and it is a life changer because now now you you walk with a, with a stronger purpose. Your strides, oh, your yeah. arm is stronger, your principles are firmer, and your mind is keener. Without a doubt. There you go. So I want to go back into your um, your journalism and ask you what story. I mean, you've been doing this for what twenty years? Is that correct? Uh, it's been more than twenty years now. Yeah, right. no, it's it's been um, it's been it's been more than thirty years now. Oh man, John. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been more than thirty years. Okay, so in the thirty plus years, <laughs> has there been one story that has really moved you? I've had I've had a a couple of stories that that fall into that category. Of course, to to be a reporter for less than six months and end up um, covering the war in Grenada, that was huge. Mm-hmm. And um, um, and the coup of getting an exclusive interview with Grenada's governor general, you know, that's like being the only person getting an interview with the president as you come mm-hmm. from another country, you know. Um, so that was huge. Um, the most... Probably one of the most moving stories I, I ever covered uh, uh, started here in New York, in the Bronx. The death of Amadou Diallo, mm. um, shot in the doorway of his home by plainclothes, undercover New York City police officers. Mm. Um and he was unarmed, yes. apparently reaching for his wallet, and it was the police officers thought he was, well, said in court, they thought he was reaching for a gun. Well, I covered his funeral. When he was sent back, his body was sent back home to his village in um, Guinea, um, I, along with um, a number of people uh, from the United States traveled to Guinea. I went there to cover, um, you know, these, this group going over to be part of it and um, the reception there. And one of the most, I mean, it gives me a chill now to, to remember this. So we, we we fly to the capital of Guinea, which is um, Conakry, and um, we're the his parents are there. They're traveling with the Reverend Al Sharpton and a number of other people from the United States, from New York. And we are told 
one evening that the Minister of Tourism of the country was going to um, provide cars for us to travel to the village where he was going to be buried. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, we got up, and there was a line of SUVs waiting outside the hotel, probably about a dozen of them. And we began the journey that started on paved roads. It was nine hours to the village up in the mountains, and it ended up with us being on no road. When we got close to the village, they stopped the caravan, and um, my cameraman and I and our driver, we were told to go ahead so that we would be in the village when the caravan and the body arrived so we would have that shot. And as we are approaching the village, I'm hearing this sound. I mean, it, it was, you know, at first I was like, that sounds like bees or something. It was this, this almost a humming kind of sound, and it kept getting louder and louder as we got closer and closer to the village. And my camera was looking at each other like, what is that? You know, we come around the bend, and across the hillside, there are literally thousands of people mm. praying. Mm. And it was echoing off off the mountain. The sound of them praying was reverberating across the landscape. That's what we were hearing as we were approaching. Mm. They had come from all over Africa. The story had brought them all um, there. Um, so, so just imagine this hillside filled with people in brightly colored garb, um, you know, every color in the rainbow, you know, their garments stretched out across the hillside in prayer, and it's reverberating. Mm. Um, we were like, we just looked at each other. We were like, whoa. And that was that was a moment that is um, indelibly imprinted in my mind. Now, that was a very um, emotional time. Yes. I think in the world, yes. it impacted New York for this young man to be shot. I think it was 41 times, and I think 19 shots yes. actually struck him. Yes. And um, I think a lot of people just couldn't wrap their heads around how do you fire shots into one human being who is no threat. So we're we're not going to deal with that because we would need another hour. But um. How do you as the news person or the journalist, the, the camera person there, how do you detach yourself to cover the story? I mean, I would just break down and cry, i, I got to tell you. I, well, I don't think I could do it. You, it, 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 uh, I mean, believe me, I mean, over the course of 30 years, I've, I've shed more than a few tears, but you continue working. Hmm. Huh. 
you can you continue working. Um, I spent probably a month um, downtown Manhattan after the tragedy of the World Trade Center, and I would say there wasn't a day that didn't go by that I didn't shed a tear. Mm. Um, you know, we had, you know, the, I had colleagues who broke down on the air. But you keep working. Now, did the camera stop rolling at that point and allow you to get yourself together, or? No, well, because you're talking to someone and the camera's on that person. You know, so okay. you just you just keep you just keep going. Okay. You know, but but for anybody, I mean, you have to be one callous individual to to spend that much time covering the things that we cover and never have a moment touch you mm-hmm. at some time or another, you know, but, you know, it's it's like anybody who who deals in situations like that, you you continue to do your job, you know, but you feel what you feel. Now, that was a very sad moment, emotional moment, and I guess a prideful moment to be able to see people come together in unity for prayer, you know, for the soul of a human being. That must have been amazing. I didn't see any pictures of that, just by the way. Um, another thing is, what is a story or that has just brought so much joy to you that you just was elated? Um... Something. You know, I mean, there, there. I've, I've enjoyed so many. I can't, I can't really think of one. You know, I mean, in particular that. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I mean. You know, I mean, right at this very moment, I, there, there's nothing that jumps to mind. You know, well, you know, that was a lot of fun. Um. You know, because most of most of what you cover doesn't fall into the range of fun. It's you. I mean, it's serious. Um, you know, more often than not, tragic, but but um, you know, very. It's it's usually serious. There 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 are not many you know moments that that. I mean, you know, you do get to to. Um, you know, interview people or or you know see interesting you know or be in interesting places and learn interesting things. Um, but you know, I, you know, probably four o'clock in the morning, a whole list of things will come to my mind. <laughs> well, you can call. And you can call us back at the keys and let us know. Yeah, right. I'll jump up and say, "Whoa, well, what about that? That, that?" Yes, yes, yes. And you know, we have technology, so we can always insert it later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you get up in the morning and you know you're going to work, if you feel good, you're happy to be there, you like your job. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. You know, um, you know, there, there is, you know, there is not a day. You know, my every day is completely different for me. I have to I have to study for every story I have to cover. 
You know, I've got to read some material for every story I have to cover or get some information from somewhere, you know, on every story I have to cover. So, you know, oh, you know, I I I enjoy it. You know, I I truly enjoy what I do. I like being out on the street. I like being on the street in New York. I particularly like being out on the street in Brooklyn. And think about it. I'm on the street in Brooklyn covering stories on streets where I used to hang out. <laughs> you know, I run into people from back in the day when I'm out in the street. You know, so so for me, there's that, there's that extra pleasure. You know, well, does, um, it, does it get any better for you? I, it, you know, I mean, if it if if it gets any better than you know, well, I I I've said to people because you know for the last year and a half I've been studying guitar, and I've said to people um, when I learn how to play Jimi Hendrix's version of the Bob Dylan tune all along the Watchtower, then you're gonna see me really lose control. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I want to see this one on YouTube, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll be, you know, but I, I also jokingly say, if it gets any better than being a dad, I'm not ready to handle it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about the good and the bad sides of being a reporter. You know, some of the stories you cover has to move you. It has to affect you in some way. But I also know... Um, through social networking, mind you, I didn't get this phone call and say, hey, this is happening. I, I saw a posting on Facebook that takes me to um, sort of a parallel um, that you're experiencing in your career and in your life in that you are dealing with a form of cancer. So are yes, you ready to, yes. to go into that? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a, a problem, you know. With you know talking about that at all, it was um, last year, Fourth of July weekend. Um, uh, the the dojo was closed because it was a four day weekend, and they figured you know they they do that sometimes when they know people are going to be going out of town. So um, my daughter and I and Fredo, her dog, were watching cartoons. And I uh, um, I got ready to get up out of the bed, and the entire room started spinning around me. Um, I lowered myself back down, called her nanny, and said, you know, come pick her up and the dog. You're going to take her to her, her mother's, and um, but you're going to drop me at the hospital on the way. And um, I went to Methodist Hospital in Brooklyn, and they poked and prodded and peered and asked questions and uh, did a um, CT scan, and the doctor said, we see a mass, we're going to have to do an MRI to see what it is. And after the MRI, he came back and he said, you have a brain tumor. Now, I've had more than a few people tell me that must have been a really, you know, say to me that must have been a really frightening moment when he actually uttered those words. Actually, it was not, you know, because um, 
now I knew what was wrong and could focus on what was next. Um, you know, I take comfort in the reality of my situation. You know, I, I, all I need to know is what's going on and what my options are. And okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So um, uh, I was at Methodist Hospital in Brooklyn, and um, uh, I was transferred to Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital in Manhattan. Um, I had a six-hour surgery on Friday. Um, I was back in my room eating solid food on Saturday, and I was discharged on Wednesday. Mm. Uh, they told me that in three weeks I would start a six-week regimen of radiation and chemotherapy. So a week after getting out of the hospital, I resumed working out so that I would be physically ready for what I heard could be a challenging um, uh, time, um, and um, as, as a matter of fact, the I started the chemo on a Sunday night, the radiation on a Monday, and uh, I worked out every day through the six weeks and and went back to the dojo that first week. Now, so you're I, just building a few myths, not not to cut you, but as I'm listening to you, I'm I'm thinking about the image I have of people um, on chemotherapy and radiation treatment, and their body seems to depreciate so much and sometimes so rapidly that they can barely get up, and you have, well, are getting up and you're exercising. Well, here is um, six and a half years ago. I mean, I told you, I started training when I was 27. Um, through marriage, moving from city to city, becoming a dad, I had stopped. I was always, I always worked out, but I had stopped formally training for a long time. Well, six and a half years ago, I went back to serious competitive training, so that when I went into the hospital, I was really fit. I mean, I, mm. I had been, I had been training hard for a long time, you know. At that point, so that helps in this, and it also helped that the chief of neurosurgery at Memorial Sloan Kettering was the person who performed the operation, and it went well. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, uh, I, as I told you, you know, after getting out, I resumed working out to prepare myself, and um, I, I even deliberately. I think I put on an extra five pounds just to make sure I had a little, a little room to maneuver. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but um, you know, but I mean, I'm on still on chemotherapy now. You know, um, I, I, um, I was on a, a, a regimen of I was taking capsules, five capsules a day at night. Then they doubled that dosage. I had to take five capsules twice a day. And um, so I was taking chemotherapy at work. I mean, like, you know, um, I'd be on the homicide, go get a bottle of water from the corner, go back to the car, take five capsules, and finish covering the story. 
and now I'm on intravenous chemo, and I've gone there, done the intravenous, and and gone to work um, from from the hospital. But it's because I work out every day, and very often twice a day, that I feel good. Mm. You know, so it's not like, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's not like I'm pushing myself through the pain, but the fact that I started out in good shape and then maintained that um, made a huge difference. How do you feel when you take the chemotherapy? Does your stomach turn? I mean, physically, how are Nothing. you feeling? I have not. I, I, I mean, when when I I physically don't feel. When I took the capsules, I didn't mm-hmm. feel anything. They, like they tell you, don't you can't eat an hour before you take the capsules or an hour afterwards. So one Saturday morning, I got up a little bit late. I'm heading to the dojo. When I get there, I hadn't eaten anything and I was starving. And I'm like, okay, if I go up here for two hours, come back down, take my capsules, I have to wait for another hour before I can eat. That's like three hours. I won't. I can't make it. <laughs> so not wanting to have to suffer not eating, I took my capsules, I took my chemo before going upstairs and went upstairs and trained. And when I came downstairs, I went to lunch. Hmm. You know, but I'm certain that had I not been physically ready before and had not maintained it, you know, with a vengeance, um, I would not have been able to, I would, I would, I'm, you know, might not even be having this conversation with you, but that's why I feel the way that I do, you know, and, and you know, I'm not, I, I, and I'm not even, I'm not even, you know, like fighting my way through any sort of pain or anything, you know, it's just, I'm just, you know, you know, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not even involved in in, in fighting cancer. All, all I'm doing is l- living my life mm. the way that I do. Yes. And continuing to do that. Well, I'm I'm amazed. Your your whole journey, um, from the beginning to where you are today, and I think um, your comment that you made earlier when you was in. Um, I believe you said it was Brooklyn College, your undergrad um, school, that you made a decision and you spoke spoke of um, methods of getting yourself to a place where you have a keen mind. Um, You said you took courses that that would help develop that for you. And um, you said you wanted firm principles, so you took courses in ethics, and you wanted strong arms, so you developed your, your martial arts training for that. And I think your approach, your healthy approach to life is very light, and I think that's important when you're going through um, something like this, um, you know, and then you have that wonderful joy in your life, your daughter, and she um, sort of propels your reasons for for living. And my last um, sort of comment that I would like you to express yourself on is, do you believe that life has endless possibilities? Well, I I I don't know about endless, but definitely more than we can get to. 
<laughs> in the time we have allotted to us, you know, I'm 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 certain there's you know there's you know I'm not certain, but there may be and you know say okay that's it, but you know um, as for all practical purposes, you know you you know you just don't have enough time to get to all the things that that, that you might want to do. Well, maybe endless is 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 a um, a term yeah. that applies to the individual. What what could be endless for me may not be endless for you. Right. <laughs> no, but 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 you know, um, there are definitely more possibilities than we than we um, uh, than we normally would engage. Well, I'm going to leave it there for a moment, and I want to just go back to um, a conversation you were having about your daughter, and I wanted to ask you, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Do you take her to work with you? How 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 involved is she with her dad being, you know, a, a, a presence on NBC News? Well, she she actually, um, she, she's, she's on television every year. Every year I cover, I cover the West Indian Day Parade. <laughs> um, and the cameraman knows Get a shot of her When we get to edit the piece She's in it um, You know so um, So so, And she's been in the truck You know when we've edited the piece And I have explained to her And the cameraman has explained to her You know what he's doing um, She's been there When I've gone live You know and, and of course You know she's see me at home. It's no big deal to her now. I mean, she says, oh, Dad, I like to see your stories, but she doesn't get like, you know, I mean, where she, where she used to, where she used to be like, you know, the nanny used to tell me she'd be like, you know, yelling at the television, Dad, Dad. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't do that now. But she's growing up now, you know. Yes, exactly. You know, she's maintain cool her cool. <laughs> is she, is she just, do you see an interest in in her becoming a journalist? Um, I don't think so. She she tends to be, you know, she um, plays instruments. She um, um, she's a voracious reader. Um, you know, she's um, she tells me, Dad, I want to take drama lessons. You know, so you know she's she's interested in a in a lot of things. Um, I, I don't know if if doing this is is one of them. Now, once I am actually, all right, man. Thanks a lot. I'm getting out of the out of the uh, the crew car right now, heading to my car. Okay, so you made the journey. On the yeah. Bell Parkway during rush hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm right now uh, right across the street from Borough Hall. But I'm still plugged in here. All right, Doug, see you tomorrow. That's the beauty of Blog Talk Radio. You know, we can just allow you to have conversations with your cameraman and open your car door <laughs> and share with us, you know, what you're doing, where you're at. <laughs> well, well, John Noel, 
we're coming to the close of our hour of power, and I just want to um, give you a special thank you for sharing your journey with the Keys 107 family. Talking to you has been my pleasure, and I hope your words offers a key to doors of endless possibilities for anybody in need, for anyone who needed to hear your message. Well, I always say to people, because I I don't preach to people, you know, that this is the way I think you should live. But what I what I say to folks is is if there's anything you hear me say or see me do that you find of value, take it as your own. Hmm. Okay, well I'm gonna take a lot that you said and I hope to um have some time in the future to speak to you a little bit more about that situation in Grenada, maybe going through the political ramifications of it, but I knew that we couldn't touch on that in our small hour of power tonight. Anytime. Well, I thank you again and travel safe and give your daughter a nice big fuzzy hug. Yeah, I'm going to pick her up right now. Good enough. Well, you travel safe, John Noel. <laughs> thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. The key. Unlocking the doors to unlimited possibility. You're listening to The Keys on Blog Talk Radio.
listening to a Keys 107 Network special with your host, Sister Rafika. And just remember, if your blog talk radio is not on the Keys 107 Network, well, your blog talk radio just ain't on. <laughs> Consultants and Services, LLC, for the best consultants and services around. Make sure you find us on the web, RCS, LLC. This portion of the keys was brought to us by Moon107.com. Moon107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. M-A-U-N-107. M-A-U-N-107. 